You're listening to Holy Crit with your hosts, award-winning game designer Ross Watson and the branding strategist for geeks, gamers, and techies, Sheena Vandevanter. Holy Crit is your insider's guide to tabletop games, designers, and the conventions that love them. Hi, I'm Ross Watson. I'm Sheena Vandevanter. And I'm Kira Hug. Welcome, Welcome to, to Holy Crit. <laughs> wow. I yeah. love our intro. It's just, it's so fun. I ruined that. I feel like I bombed. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. no. You did great. <laughs> you can tell you two have practiced. <laughs> <laughs> Been doing this for a little bit now, and we're so glad to have you on the show, Kira. But for our listeners, I would like it if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. Thank you for having me and hanging out with me. I am a conversion copywriter, and I add conversion to my title to speak to the fact that I write sales copy. So that could be anything from a a landing page to an email that's trying to persuade you to do something. Uh, I like to persuade people to take action, apparently. And I'm also the co-host of the Copywriter Club podcast, where we speak about all things copy-related. And I live in Brooklyn with my toddlers and partner. So that's that's all you need to know. Well, and don't forget, too, uh, Kira moderates the Copywriter Club group on Facebook, which is strictly for copywriters. So unfortunately, if you're not one, Rob won't let you in. But um, <laughs> it is fantastic for people who write. Um, there's a lot of amazing um, support and just people asking questions and getting direct answers to things like how much do you charge for a blah or you know do you does anybody have an outline for a sales page or anything like that so it's a really great resource and you know the podcast is amazing I mean just fantastic guests every week Um, her and Rob Marsh just do an amazing job um, getting some fantastic what we would call celebrity copywriters to come on and uh, you know, tell us about their process and, you know, I would really highly recommend it. Even if you're not a copywriter, th- there's still a lot of good business advice yep. and it's just a fun show to listen to. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. I was just going to say, um, yeah, we're, I think we're both really proud of the community we've built. It's amazing what type of community you can build off of a podcast, which is probably what is already happening with your podcast. Oh, well, I hope, we so. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for those who don't know, tell us just a little bit about, you know, what what is copywriting? What makes good copywriting? Right. Yeah. It's a good question to start with. Um, so copywriting is really um, when you're using language to persuade someone to take action. Um, You're persuading through different emotions and motivations and really tapping into their desires and fear and um, really speaking to what that person wants and who they are and um, and really helping them, giving them something that they want. So a lot of it, uh, like I said, is around uh, sales and um, not always selling a product, but just kind of selling an idea too. And mm-hmm. so it's really powerful when used uh, correctly. Absolutely. And Ross, I know, you know, you are a narrative writer for games and 
a game designer as well, but what, what do you what do you think about using you know copywriting as a persuasive tool to get people to buy your games? I think it's great. Actually, a lot of people don't know this, but my first professional job, full-time full professional job, was copywriting for Games Workshop back in 2003. So I didn't I, know that. Yeah, I wrote wow. a lot of stuff for uh, White Dwarf Magazine and for the website and a lot of, uh, you know, manuals on how to run tournaments and, you know, a lot of marketing things with adding little starbursts to say, new, exciting. <laughs> Stuff like that. You know, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was really a, a good starting point, And I really like the way Kira described it because I think especially for marketing copywriting, that is uh, exactly what you want to do is get people, you know, interested and excited about the new thing. Absolutely. It's, it's also about building a relationship, too. And that's the part I left out. It's really important. It's building a relationship with a brand, um, an individual, a business, and um you can do that through copy. And, and ultimately, if you want to sell something, you really need to build that relationship and the trust first. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, yep. I know that, you know, w one of the reasons that I think people just ran out and bought Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition before even necessarily cracking the book open was because they felt like they could trust Wizards of Coast was going to put out good content. And, you know, they had their beautiful trade dress and we kind of knew what to expect that they had a certain level of writing and a certain level of graphics that even if it, you know, was not better than 3.5, that we were going to still probably get something out of it, even if it wasn't going to be our favorite system forever or as something on the shelf that has kind of eh, mediocre trade dress or you know, I haven't seen an ad for it or heard about it. I'm going to be a little bit less inclined to just plunk down $60 for a rules book. Well, we could do right. a whole episode on trade dress, honestly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, sure. We should do that at some point. We, we should, actually. Go ahead, Kira. Yeah, I was going to say it's all about what you're speaking to is the levels of awareness of your customer and your audience. So if they haven't heard from you or they have no idea who you are and you're going to introduce you know, a launch or sell a new game, then um, you have a lot more work you need to do in your copy to when you're starting from scratch and there's zero trust. Um, and then alternatively, if you've done that work and you've had a, you know, a marketing plan and you've been building that trust all along, whether it's for a couple of months or you know years, um, you're going to approach sales copy in a different way because you already have established that relationship. So in some ways it's easier, but you'll just use copy in a different way and kind of use um, persuasion and even some copy tricks in a different way at that point. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, so Kira, I would love to hear about kind of what would a game designer or a game company or a publisher want to look for if they decided they needed to hire a copywriter? Kind of what are the things that will tell them that this is a good match or, you know, what are, what are some tips that they should be aware of before going out and just putting something on Upwork or, you know, digging around to find their cousin who they think can maybe write something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is the challenge, right? Because with copywriting, it's like, well, we write, you know, we string together words and anyone can do it, right? It, that's usually the thought process behind it. But there is a skill to it and, um, and a lot of experience that you need in order to do it well so that it actually works. 
so uh, depending on what type of project you want to hire this copywriter to help you with, um, you want to think about, you know, first of all, what is your budget? Because you can want the, an A-list copywriter, but if you don't have the budget for it, it's just not going to happen. So I would start by being really clear about what your budget is for this particular project, or even if you want to hire um, a copywriter on retainer, well, what, is, what does that look like each month? What can you pay each month? So that will really establish what level of copywriter you can hire, and there are all different types of levels. You could hire a new copywriter who might be on Upwork. And I think, although I'm not on Upwork, sites like that are great if you have, you don't have a big budget and you want to find someone who's new just to get, just to get started. Uh, but if you do have a larger budget, really uh, approaching copywriters um, who are in that bracket, and you can do that through finding them on referrals, um, different websites like copyhackers.com host a bunch of different copywriters that you can find and check out their profiles. And ultimately, when you, you want to interview them, and that's really important so that you can understand if they get you know, what you're trying to sell and if you click. You have to click with your copywriter because typically it's, it is more, I mean, it, for me, it's more of an intimate relationship because I work with brands and, you know, more personality brands. So I really get to know my clients and their stories. That's not the case for all clients. You don't always have to know everything, every detail about their life. I'm just really nosy, so I like to ask all of those <laughs> questions. Um, but you should really get on the call with them and, um, and educate yourself. You know, you're interviewing them. They're also interviewing you. And be aware of the fact that they are interviewing you. And be really clear about what you want in your project. Like, what is your goal? What does it look like? What does your timeline look like? And ideally, your timeline isn't, hey, start tomorrow. Because that's really, that's not realistic uh, for most copywriters, especially most advanced copywriters. And at that point, I would really look for case studies, proof that this copywriter is as good as they say they are. And so while copywriters can't guarantee they'll make you a certain amount of money or sell this many of your products or games, they can speak to their past experiences and projects. And they should be able to. And so that's what I would do personally. I would ask for case studies. And I would ask for um, examples, you know, a portfolio. At least I'd want to see one or two projects that are somewhat related to what I need in my project. Um, mm -hmm. So you want to see a similar project to see that they know what you need because there's so many different types of copy and we could get into all the different types. But if you need web copy and you're hiring a copywriter who's never touched web copy, it's just not a good fit. You see, I think that's where a lot of uh, game developers, at least in our kind of neck of the woods would be interested in getting copywriting is for a web page about their their product or their product line. Because a lot of these guys, you know, they're they're one one man shop, right? They do all the the design and, and, and writing themselves. Maybe they outsource the artwork <clears throat> and the layout. And, and maybe they'd be like, okay, so I now I have a, a few products and I want a web page and I want to get a copywriter to write about my awesome game products <laughs> on this web page. Um, what would be like a, I don't know, a ballpark estimate for say like, uh, you know, two or three, you know, web pages about gaming? Oh, um, how much it would cost for a website, website copy for three pages? Is that what you're yeah, asking? Yeah, basically. It could be anywhere from $500 to $2,500. Okay. Um, and potentially even more, depending on if you want it to, you know, to work with someone on conversion-focused copy and then optimize the copy and 
uh, dig into the data and analytics, it can get even higher. But typically starting out, I would expect it, you know, I'd say around $1,500. Granted, you can still go to sites like Upwork and find new copywriters uh, who are just want experience and are trying to jump in. Uh, right. I would say, though, you get what you pay for. And so. Yeah, well, I, I would never advocate ever <laughs> paying anyone in exposure, right? That's never. <laughs> always mm. pay people in real money, folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, and that's something we're trying to change, even with the Copywriter Club, is to really advocate for copywriters to charge um, not just what they're worth, but what the value is behind the work that they're doing, because words and copy are really powerful and they can make a dent in your your business and really help you you know hit the ROI that you've been trying to hit for a while the words can do that so as a community it's almost like a co coalition we need to make sure we're charging appropriately well Kara I remember on one of the podcasts or it might have been more than one you talked a little bit about return on investment and kind of what that looks like and I remember we were talking about pricing and you were like well you know if I change your conversion rate from 2% to whatever it was, 10%, then your sales have gone from this to this. And you know, that of that, I'm only charging you 2%. So, you know, when you look at the, the overall return on investment, it can be amazing. And so, you know, the, the investment that you're making is f far outweighs the initial cost. Yes, definitely. And that's where my copywriter friend, Sam Woods, has reminded me just you need to know your numbers. So as copywriters, we need to know our numbers because we need to know how much our projects are making so that we can charge accordingly. But as the business owner, you know, the person hiring us, you need to know your numbers as well to understand the impact that the copy has on your bottom line. Because if you don't know that, then you won't know what is realistic and what you should be paying to a copywriter. It'll just be harder to do your job on your end. So ultimately, we just all have to know our numbers um, so that we can track it and then show the value behind it. And you know, I've worked on launches. I typically work on big launches for products and courses, and you know, it's a lot of copy. And I've had some that have made $300,000. I've had one that made $800,000 and you know, I'm just a little part, I'm a part of it. It's a big team. It's a big launch, but I need to make sure that I, I factor that in, <laughs> uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's huge. Yeah. I think, I'm, uh, well, back in the day, you know, when, when I was a freelancer, what I had is I had a, uh, a, a example of different types of writing that I could do that I would send around, uh, looking for work. I assume that it's fairly similar in the copywriting area that you would have a writing sample if you were looking for for work as a freelancer. Typi a, yeah, typically you should have you should have samples. Um, what I found is you have more referrals and you build a name for yourself. People just kind of trust you because they've heard that you're good. And so even as your listeners are looking for copywriters, you know that's why referrals are the best way to go. Um, oh, yeah. You, you want to know that people can perform and that's, but you should check out the copy and you know checking out a copywriter's website is the best place to start because you'll pick up their personality, their tone, their writing style. And so before you even reach out to them or jump on a phone call with them, I would just see if you like their writing style because while copywriters you know have the skill set to change their voice and some some of us are better at that than others 
um, for the most part, you know, what you see is what you're going to get. So, <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised at how many uh, business owners hire copywriters and like they don't really check out the copy beforehand and they're like, wait, this isn't the style I wanted. Well, it's on the website. It's the same style. So you just have to do, do your homework uh, before you even reach out to them. So what are some ways that uh, you think copywriting would really help someone get a, a game or a convention, I guess, you know, like for ChupacabraCon, if we wanted to extend the, the reach of ChupacabraCon, how could we use copywriting to, to do that? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I would start by asking you what you're currently doing as far as your marketing. And if you can share that with me, that'd be even better. Like what, how are you marketing to your prospects? So right now we're doing it through social media. Um, and locally we print postcards and posters for our local game stores. And then taking posters and uh postcards and things to other conventions in texas and nationally and that's and well and getting on other people's podcasts i think those are the main things so social media printing visiting other conventions and and spreading the word through other people's podcasts okay yeah, I think that's all great. And I would say you may already have this, but what I would do is create some type of really juicy lead magnet. And so, you know, lead magnet being something that people can download or access when they visit a particular landing page or website. So when you're on, speaking on these different podcasts, you're sending all the listeners who are digging what you're talking about, sending them to a landing page where they can, let's say, download a guide that you created for free and enter their email addresses. Um, I would start collecting all of those email addresses as often as possible, especially at conferences um, when you're speaking to people, just like sending them there to collect their email addresses. So if you already have that in place and your email list is growing, then I would focus on how to nurture that list and how are you nurturing that list mm -hmm. in between your events and you know is it a weekly newsletter is it daily I mean you can send daily emails that works really well too that's a lot of work so is it a monthly newsletter or email to your community but how are you building that relationship and copy is a great way to do that you could do that through storytelling or more through um, more a news newsletter that feels more like updates and bullet points and kind of highlights and also, as you get closer to the event, uh, at that point, you want to create some type of landing page to build the excitement and create a wait list for the event. You know, tickets, we're going to sell tickets. Ticket sales are starting on Monday. So if you're interested, the, this is where you need to enter your information. And that landing page requires copy. It may require a video. So then you have a video script, which is also copy. And um, from there, then later on, you'll have the actual conference uh, website, or again, it could be just a simple landing page. Uh, but there, the, the copy is also powerful. You can't, I see a lot of conferences and event pages that just include the speakers and then maybe an agenda and like that and some pictures and that's it. And I think that's really standard and accepted for conference websites. But if you could pull in stories and um, really use copy to showcase like what will happen, what's the outcome, um, why should they attend and use copy on that landing page, it could be more powerful and you could see an increase in your sale, your ticket sales.
So there are a lot of different ways. You'll never believe what these 10 gamers did at ChupacabraCon. <laughs> exactly. I would read that. I would read that. <laughs> I mean, case, case studies are so powerful. So even leading up to the ticket sales, sharing those case studies and those stories from the previous, especially if you've already had the event, then you, you, can, you already have the collection of stories and people, and you can share all that and just kind of, you know, tease it a bit before you actually open the ticket sales. That's a fantastic idea. I know that last year we had the amazing um, East Texas University tailgate event, which was like this outside sort of, we had food and games and it was, it was just amazing. And it was something we'd never done before. And I think we're going to do that again this year. So I definitely need to let people know about that and the celebrity game and there, there's just a lot of great stories at Chupa that I don't think we're sharing so I definitely need to get on that great suggestions right and I'm sure I'm sure your community and your audience wants to hear about that they want to know what's happening so even if it's a weekly update and then also it sounds like you're up on your social media but so sharing the stories through social media as well as as long as it's all filtering to your email list and that's what I would say to anyone listening you know it's Social media is great, but make sure it's all going into the email list so that you can you can reach out to your people when you're ready to launch something, sell a product, sell your game, sell your event. Uh, you need to have that list in place. Yeah, and that's, you know, we have email addresses, but I don't think we've ever sent out a newsletter other than just sort of like, hey, tickets are on sale. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the Kickstarter is, is actually its own sort of marketing effort as well. True, true, okay. absolutely. Because you can do updates to the backers directly um, using that. Right, mm -hmm. that's true. And I mean, you're not alone, right? So many of us have not, um, do not reach out to our, we, we may have a list, but we do not nurture that list. So it's never too late to start building that relationship, especially when is your big event? May 4th through okay. 6th next year. So you have time. You have time to start nurturing that list. Yeah. Let's talk about what happens when we have those game designers who just can't afford even $500 for a landing page. Even if it's going to mean amazing sales for them, they're not quite in the position yet where they have the capital to do that because, unfortunately, game design is, is as Chris promised, said um, way undercapitalized just as an industry mm. kind of what are maybe two or three tips or tricks or high points that they can take a look at to be sure they're including to make their sales pages more um, sell more because I have words <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> words we don't need words mm -hmm. um, okay so I would start with the most important part which you can do, and you don't have to hire anyone to do it, um, is to find your, what I call, you know, voice of customer data. So that's what are your people, your buyers, your fanatical community, what are they talking about? What, how do they describe what your product? How do they, what are they saying in their communities and their forums? Um, so you can capture that by interviewing them, which is, the most powerful way, and I always interview my clients' customers because I want to understand, like I want to get on the phone and understand why, you know, everything about them really. And so if you haven't done that recently, and most businesses don't because it takes time and you're busy trying to do your job, I would 
conduct interviews, and you can start first with a survey. So let's take a step backwards. Survey your people. So maybe these are people who bought your last game. Again, going back to if you have a list, you have any type of social media network, get a survey out. If you can give them some incentive to take the survey, I actually think I just want to get surveys in. Some people think that you know you shouldn't incentivize them because you don't want to sway the survey results. But I'm just thinking, get people to just give you some information, ask them some key mm -hmm. questions about you know why did they buy from you in the past, um, what what are they looking for this season, and you know some questions that are really specific to your product, to your brand, to um, what the, like them like what what are their desires what do they want and it will be different depending on what you're selling so i'm not giving uh, great examples of what you can ask here but figure out those questions that would be most helpful for your business so you send out the survey you get survey results in whether it's 10 people that responded or hundreds of people it's really powerful data and it's not just you're not asking them yes or no questions you're actually creating like a type form survey monkey form where they are writing in and submitting a couple sentences at least in response to the question you're asking. So you can really understand like w how they speak about your brand, your product. And then from there, I would also ask them a final question, um, which is, would you mind jumping on a 20-minute call? I'd like to ask, you know, I could ask you some more questions. And most people are, if they're really, if you've developed that relationship and that rapport, Oftentimes they're eager and they're ready to help you and they want to get on a call with you. So the next step is to actually get them on a call, get them in an interview, and you know, 20 minutes is great. I typically will jump on a call for 20 minutes and I get everything I need. Uh, you could go longer, but I, you know, people are busy, so keep it simple. And once you conduct those interviews, you know, you only need a couple if you really have a small audience, anywhere from two would be helpful, right? Two to 10, anything like that. You're going to find out so much more about what drives your, your community members to buy something, to take action. Where are they? Like, what do their lives look like? Just really tap into whatever you need to know is, is in your business. Figure that out first and then ask the questions that will pull in those insights. And from there, I mean, as you capture that, you know, you transcribe those those calls. You have all of the words, all the words that they <laughs> share with you. That's the words, and you start all to, the words. You start to organize it. You start to figure out, okay, well, this is what they said they really want in the next product, or this is what really excites them right now, or this is what they're like. This is where they're spending most of their time right now. These are the games that they're playing right now, and just start to organize that into buckets, and you'll soon find that. You have the framework, you have the sections of copy you actually need to approach and write uh, any type of copy, whether that's website copy, an email, a landing page. So it's the place to start, and most people don't start there. They just jump to the blank screen and stare at it, and they're like, why can't I come up with the right words to, to do and say what I want to say? Well, it's because you're starting from nothing. I would never, I would never start a project without these buckets of copy and the research and the words from my customers in order to give me what I need to even approach the blank screen. Yeah, I do a lot of what's called back cover text for my, uh, my books. And the back cover text is uh, basically copy because it tells you this is what the product is, this is why you should buy it, right? Mm -hmm. 
and uh, writing back cover text is, is sometimes fun, but most often it is like the least favorite part of the job for, for uh, guys like me. Uh, because you, you get really close to the material. You know it in and out, right? But it's hard to be able to communicate that in a succinct and attractive manner after you've been writing, you know, 10,000 word blocks. So <laughs> yeah, I get it. Now, one thing you said earlier that was interesting to me was um, you, you said that you guys do copy for videos. You'll do scripts. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of uh, gamers these days are doing uh, not only videos for their Kickstarters, but also videos on YouTube. I mean, obviously, um, something extemporaneous like uh, an, an actual play, there's no way to script that. But if you were going to script, I don't know, say a review or just even an introduction of your product, I think that would be a great use of a copyright. Yes, definitely. And again, I think it, it all connects to what you're saying. So whether you're writing, I think you said, is it the back cover text? Yeah. So whether you're writing that, I mean, I imagine that's what people read before they make a purchase, right? I mean, that plays into the purchase experience, the customer experience before they actually decide if they want it or not. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly look at the back cover of things that I want to buy. And I think I, I can certainly count a lot of great examples of games out there that have a really good back cover, occasionally front cover text. The original Traveler, if Sheena remembers that, had this really great evocative you know distress call from the free trader beowulf and you're like yes. oh i know what this game is about no problem <laughs> right mm -hmm. you know uh which is awesome uh, but at the same time yeah you and when i'm in the store i don't know sheena do you do you pick up a book and look at the back cover before you buy it absolutely yeah it's one of the first things i do before i even crack the book mm -hmm. i look at the cover and go hmm this looks like it could be i don't know steampunky well i'm interested in that so i look at the back cover and i start reading and, you know, it's pretty instant within, you know, the first few sentences, I know whether or not this is going to retain my interest. And if it did, then I'll crack the book and take a look and start reading and look at the tables and the art and make a decision from there. But it's, it's pretty vital. And a lot of times I've seen people use that very same text as the description of their product in places like drive through RPG, where they sell PDFs of the games. Um, or even as the description on something like an Amazon. Mm -hmm. So exactly. pretty important text. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say it's all sales copy. Whether you call it something else, it's all sales copy because ultimately you want people to read that and you want them to open the book or to make the purchase. So it's it should be written. And, and, and that's where I would, I would find someone, if you can afford it, hire a professional copywriter because that seems like the most critical copy that you have when you're selling. <laughs> Technically, I am a professional copywriter, just haven't been, you know, doing it as full time in a really long time. But yes. Oh, and <laughs> I, I was not. I was not. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pointing out like this is why I do all my own back cover text. But yeah, if you were, if you were a guy who had, didn't have my background, you know, absolutely, I agree with you 100. percent I just find it fascinating too. I think it's there is an opportunity right there in the back cover to pull in some of the language that you have heard in those interviews or you have read from the surveys or that you've captured even on forums, which I didn't mention, but you can go into a forum where you know your audience, like your target ideal client, whatever you want to call them, you know they're in this particular forum or Facebook group, wherever your people hang out online. Those are gold mines because that's what people are just openly sharing with the world, what they truly are thinking about, what they are afraid of, what they want. Um, what they need help with, what they're struggling with. 
that's another great place to start, especially if you're listening to me and you're like, I don't want to do interviews. I don't want to get on the, <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, I get it. Some people just, I like it, but a lot of people don't. So you could just kind of do this silently through our wonderful online world and capture what pe what's really happening inside the minds of your customer and figure out how to speak to that, how to use that language on the back cover. So they read it and they're like, how did you know I was thinking that. <laughs> How did you know well, I wanted that? You know, gaming forums uh, can be great for that. Although I do want to put a warning out there that you know, if you if you follow the the journey too far, it'll take you to places like Fortune. And you know, Fortune's great, but you know, there is also dragons lurking in the shadows there. So watch out. Wait, so, wait, what is this? <laughs> Fortune. Yeah. It's a it's it's a uh, very opinionated site on the internet, full of. You don't want to go there, I think, oh, probably, okay. unless you're okay. unless you're really into games. Uh, but the point is that the internet is vast, and there are you know there are islands of light, and there are places that are a little more gray area. <laughs> I kind of want to go where the gray area. I'm actually intrigued. I want to go there. Where are the dragons? Let's go oh. Let's start there. Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and Kira was never heard from again. Oh my lord. Well, one thing I wanted. To and um, quickly about, we were talking about capturing the language of our um, customers. One thing that I've heard playtesters do is they will actually record a playtesting session. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then sometimes afterwards, I know what I've done is I will ask people to fill out a survey afterwards, like a physical survey immediately before they leave the table. Because the feedback that you get there is not only going to help you to make your game better, but when they point out something that they like, that language is gold because you can get directly what your potential clients are saying that they like about your game. And you can, you know, reuse that language as part of your back cover or other piece of sales copy. That's so such a good, it's such a good, that is such a great idea. And it's also, I mean, the cool thing about all of this with copywriting is it's so directly linked to your actual product. So as you're learning all of this, not only will it help you write better copy, but it could help you change your product, like you just said, how you, will help you make it better and continue to iterate so that you have a final product that's easier to sell. And, and one of the biggest problems right now, especially in, in role-playing games, is I think people being able to communicate what their game is about and what the core activity is about. And being better at that elevator pitch, being better at being able to say, in my game, you are X doing Y despite Z, right? Mm -hmm. That is a really important thing. And I, I, you go to conventions like Origins, and I, I feel like physical pain sometimes because I see people with these beautiful products and no idea about how to tell me about them. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I think in this space too, uh, it seems like I imagine there's a lot of competition, right? And so you want to stand out from your competition oh, yeah. and the other games. And so, you know, copywriting is a great way to figure out while you're doing, so we talked a bit about research. Well, part of the research is also figuring out uh, not only who your competitors are, because you probably already know that, but what do they do well? Um, you know, what is part of their messaging? What are they not tapping into? Maybe you'll figure out some missed opportunities where you could really stand out. And so I would really hone in and focus on those competitors. And, um, and especially if they're not taking advantage of the copy and really using it, like you said, to help give an elevator pitch, this is what this is about, this is what you'll get out of it, this is how it's different from everything else, then it's a huge advantage for you. Absolutely, and one thing that um, 
people should realize about copywriters is that not only are we writers, but we are inherently strategists. And so one of the things that you can get out of hiring a copywriter is to help you hone in on your message. So I know one of the things that Kira has shared with the group is her intake questionnaire. And that in and of itself has a great deal of value because you may have never thought about, you know, if my brand were a sandwich, what would it be? Well, it may seem like, you know, a silly question, but, you know, ultimately when you start, when somebody else challenges you to really think about what your brand is, what your voice is, what your product is, Mm then it helps you to really hone your own elevator pitch, to hone your own thought process about how you want to sell this. Because as you mentioned with the back page, if you've been in it for so long, it sometimes can be hard to remember how to make that relatable to people who aren't. I'm gonna really throw a quick shout out to uh, my friends at Eclipse Phase. Their back cover text is one of my like go-to if I point to someone and say, this is awesome back cover text. Uh, go check out the Ooh. Eclipse Phase core rulebook. Uh, they just have a quick four bullet point thing about their game, and it's, and it's beautiful. It says, your mind is software, program it. Your body is a shell, change it. Ooh. Death is a disease, cure it. Extinction is approaching, fight it. Now that's powerful. Uh, yeah. I freaking love that. Okay, I want to see that. I hope you, one of you can send that to me. That is really Eclipse powerful. Phase. Yeah, that's that's what I call like good copy in my opinion. But So mm-hmm. even there, it's tapping into the motivation behind the copy. So when, I, when you were reading that, I felt hopeful and powerful and like we could create <laughs> a change. And so, you know, copy is a great way of kind of speaking to these different motivations and emotions that are in all of us. You know, do you want people to feel empowered? Because that's that's what I felt right there. And so I think it's a, a great example. And also to speak to what Sheena shared about strategists, I think, you know, oftentimes we kind of get locked into our own bubble and it does help, like you said, to bring in some an outside perspective Someone who's trained, really, copywriters are trained, the good ones, to ask great questions. And so even in like one session, sitting down with a copywriter, a good copywriter, they can ask you questions that you've never even thought of before that may change your whole business, a strategy. And that's before they even get into the copy because we're trained to kind of pay attention to the details um, and really listen for what could be you know, a missing piece to the puzzle. So beyond what you get with a deliverable of copy, uh, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of strategy and ideas that come out of that partnership. And oftentimes I look at those relationships with my clients like, this is a partnership. So not only are you getting copy, but we're, I'm exchanging ideas. I'm giving you anything I think of that could be helpful to you and your business. You're going to get that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a, yeah, you're hiring a strategist and a copywriter. Totally worth it. <laughs> strategy is something. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people that make games really think about that strategy. So that's really important, like you say, to have someone there who's like, no, no, this is what I do. Let me, let me help you show you what I do, right? Mm-hmm. Worth so, the investment. We're, uh, we're just about out of time here on the podcast, so I want to, again, thank Kira for showing up and telling us yeah. all about her cool stuff. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. I, I want to dive deeper into the gaming world. I've to- told Sheena that before. I just I think it's fascinating and um, 
seems like such a really cool world and close-knit community. Well, thank you. It is cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, How do I get in? How do I get in? Let me in. <laughs> come to ChupacabraCon, and you can get to play all kinds of awesome games. Ooh. Yes. Austin, Austin, Texas. Austin in May. Come to Austin. So um, before we let you go, Kira, for our listeners, if they want to know more about you and the things that you do, where would they find you? Okay, so if you want to find out about me, you can check out my website at kirahug.com. And if you want to find out more, if you happen to be a copywriter or know a copywriter, you can share thecopywriterclub.com with them. That's where we host our podcast and our community. Okay, that's awesome. So until next time, we will see you again on Holy Crits! <laughs> That's Great one. Fun. Holy crap!